Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Talks with the Gratitude Chick. I am your host, Luanza Christina, aka The Gratitude Chick. Don't forget to follow me on all of my social media platforms at The Gratitude Chick for TikTok and Instagram, The Gratitude Chick 2, that's T-O-O, for Facebook, and join my Facebook group, The Magic of Gratitude. Start your gratitude journey today with 21 Days of Thankfulness, available now on Amazon. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of your reading corner with the Gratitude Chick. So I have been not recording, um, definitely on purpose, you know, just because I feel that I am I'm, I'm a huge proponent of doing what you love to do. And while I do love recording, I didn't love the book that we were reading. I don't know. This is the second time I have tried to complete this book on this podcast, um, The Game of Life and How to Play It. I don't know what, why it is not resonating and clicking with me. This is the first book I think that I have not completed. And it's just not, it's not resonating with me. And the fact that I have tried twice to read this book and this, the killer is the kicker is that I have listened to this book multiple times on my own from start to finish. But for whatever reason, now it's just not, it's like pulling teeth with me. So I am going to set the book aside. I do apologize if you were coming back wanting to hear this, you know, the end of the book. Um, it, you can listen to the book. It is on, uh, YouTube. Just Google, uh, oof, Google, just type in the game of life and how to play it. It is there and you can listen to it on YouTube. So that brings me to today's book. So I, I want you guys to go with me here. Um, I bumped into, I, I, I not, not even bumped into, I have been wanting to read this book for a minute. And, you know, just a little backstory. As a Christian, you know, I've always held the the attitude, I want to say, maybe not attitude, perspective, that whatever is in the Bible, it should be in the Bible. And I never, and it's based on the fact that I was raised in a very kind of tight-fisted religion. And the religion definitely is based on the Bible. So because I'm like third, fourth generation in this religion, you don't think that, um, it's just never brought up that the Bible, even though it's the King James Version you never think that this is not the actual version of the Bible. It just never, you know, pops into your mind. But once you start to kind of investigate, you realize that King James redid his, really redid his own Bible. And so the Bible that we have now is not the, is not necessarily the word and how it was written back then. 
a lot of words were changed, interchanged to be, um, you know, for specific meanings and things like that. And an entire, I don't know how many books were left out of the version of the Bible, but this specific book definitely was left out of the Bible. So back in the fourth century, the book of Enoch was removed from what we know as the Bible, and only the Ethiopians really regard it as scripture up until, I guess, now. Um, In reading the book of Enoch for myself, it is really a kind of a connect the dots for me, especially with Genesis. So a lot of things in Genesis is kind of, I don't want to say skips all over the place, but so much time elapses. Things are mentioned that you're like, hold on, I need more information on. Like, what is this? And, you know, just, you know, kind of further explains the sons of God coming down to the daughters of men. It explains the Nephilim. Like Enoch, the book of Enoch goes into a lot of things that... um we definitely needed for the Bible. So it is um, why I decided to read this book instead of getting, you know, another book. So now, again, I am still a person that believes that God knows how to preserve his word. And the same with all of the other books that have been collated in the Bible, he preserved the book of Enoch as well to this time. So I am more of a proponent now to believe that the book of Enoch should be a part of what we believe is what we hold in regard as the word of God being the new, the King James version of the Bible that um, at least I grew up reading. So with that being said, I am going to start And as always, I am going to read with my own commentary. So the book that I am reading from, it is, of course, the book of Enoch. And I got it off of Amazon. So um, as I'm reading it, I have looked around and it seems to go with a lot of other versions that I'm hearing. Because, you know, a lot of people are talking about now the book of Enoch. So... I believe this is one of the correct versions, is what I'm going to say. So we're going to start with chapter one. It's called Watchers. The word of the blessing of Enoch, Enoch, how he blessed the elect and the righteous who were to exist in the time of trouble, rejecting all the wicked and ungodly. Enoch, a righteous man who was with God, answered and spoke, while his eyes were open and while he saw a holy vision in the heavens. This the angel showed me. From them I heard all things and understood what I saw, that which will not take place in this generation, but in a generation which is to succeed at a distant period on account of the elect. So I'm thinking that this distant generation is the generation of those that will live in the last moments of earth's history. Now, as let, let me pause when I say this. 
as a Christian, <laughs> and not just a Christian, I was raised Seventh Day Adventist. And Seventh Day Adventist, the perp- the entire purpose of the religion is worshiping on the Seventh Day Sabbath um, that was established in Genesis. This I agree with. And the second coming of Jesus, Seventh Day Adventist. That is the reason for the name and the entire umbrella in which the religion sits. So some people believe it's a cult. It is. It is not a cult. It is an actual religion, just like Baptist. Um, I don't know, whatever religion, whatever other religions there are. There, there. It is exactly the same. The Seventh Day Adventists are Protestants. They are Christians. So when I speak about the last days, um, because Seventh Day Adventists believe in the second coming of Jesus Christ there has to be a reason why he would come back, right? So that is, I guess, termed the last days of Earth's history. I believe, like Revelation talks about, John seeing a new heaven and a new earth coming down from God. So um, because of that, I do believe that this old earth will pass away. Um, And when I say pass away, it more like destroyed (laughs) and a new heaven and a new earth is going to take the place of this one, um, where there will be no sickness and illness and that kind of thing. So when he talks about the generation that um, this kind of vision is about, I do believe he's talking about, again, the last days. I personally believe that we are in these days. It's just a lot going on. And I'm just going to stop and say, make your calling an election sure. Um, you know, it's, it's a lot going on. If you just read the atmosphere, you don't, you don't even have to turn on the news. Just look outside, look up in the sky. You know, it it is a lot going on. And I just feel like for so much to be going on, there has to be a purpose. And I feel like the government is scrambling to hide so much. But then I do believe that soon there's just going to be some kind of disclosure to point us in one direction so that we neglect what's actually happening. So, you know, because I don't feel like the government really wants us to know what's going on there. Anyway, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. It's just, I feel like we've been lied to so much that I, I wouldn't believe them if they told us the truth right now, you know what I mean? Or what their version of the truth is. Anyway, let's continue. Upon their account, I spoke and conversed with him who will go forth from his habitation, the holy and mighty one, the God of the world, who will hereafter tread upon Mount Sinai, appear with his hosts, and be manifested in the strength of his power from heaven, and shall be afraid and the watchers be terrified. Great fear and trembling shall seize them even to the ends of the earth. The lofty mountains shall be troubled and the exalted hills depressed, melting like a honeycomb in the flame. The earth shall be emerged and all things which are in it perish, while judgment shall come upon all, even upon all the righteous. But to them shall he give peace. He shall preserve the elect and towards them exercise clemency. Then shall all belong to God, be happy and blessed, and the splendor of the Godhead shall illuminate them.
Behold, he comes with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment upon them and destroy the wicked and reprove all the carnal for everything which the sinful and ungodly have done and committed against him. And in this book, it says it shows um, kind of a correlation to the Bible. And it says quoted by Jude verse 14, 15, because, you know, Jude only has that one chapter. All who are in the heavens know what is transacted there. They know that the heavenly luminaries change not their paths. So the luminaries, in my reading, I believe the luminaries are the light, the light, the stars, the sun, and the moon, the luminaries. So it says, the heavenly luminaries change not their paths, that each rises and sets regularly, everyone at its proper period, without transgressing the commands which they have received. Now, um, my niece once always wants to, you know, wants to call me a flat earther. I am not necessarily a flat earther. Like I, I don't, I'm not putting that kind of umption behind it, but I don't believe that the earth is a spherical object. Um, just because I do believe that we live under a firmament. The Bible tells us that we do. So I believe, and it's it's mentioned multiple times in the firmament, and not only that, I mean, excuse me, in the Bible, but not only that, even the CIA has released documents stating that we live under a firmament. So the fact that, you know, the NASA, I don't want to get into that either. But, because then, you know, I don't want to be like the crazy flat earther. Because it's not, my issue is that I don't know how we can live under a firmament when there's a, when the earth is shaped like a ball. Like, it doesn't make sense. So then at that point, we're just encased in, in a ball. Like, it's a ball inside of a ball. So I don't, I don't believe that, that the earth is spherical. And even, you know, no, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. So, and the reason why I stopped and said that is because it says that each rises and sets regularly. So, um, the way NASA likes to say it is that the sun, you know, rotates. But this says that each luminary rises and sets. So, the sun and the moon, they rise and they set. But NASA likes to say that the, the the moon is stationary and that the sun rotates. But that's not what's happening here. And I do believe that they have to say that. They have to prove that the the earth is spinning on a ball. You know, way out in space somewhere. And I, I, I don't believe that either. Does space exist? I don't know. I don't think that man has ever left Earth's atmosphere. If we are living in a under a firmament then there's no way to breach that firmament god made it so there's no way on earth that we have made it outside of earth's atmosphere and if you want to go so far go back and look at some of the recent launches by spacex and you can see that when the rocket gets its you know high up in the air where it's touching the firmament it looks like water and why is that because in genesis the bible talks about how he divided the waters from the heavens and on earth so there is water above the firmament like there's water in the firmament i should say so 
because there's water up there, when the the SpaceX rocket reaches the firmament, it looks like it is going through water. It There's waves. Even if you go and look at some of these videos online, when people are taking these really good um, pictures or videos of the luminaries, like the, the moon and the stars in the sky, and you'll see water over the moon. You'll see that the stars are not, you know, kind of stationary as we see when we look at with our naked eye. But when we look through the telescope, they look like they're underwater. So this is ha- this is further proof that there is water in the firmament and we live under a firmament. So I am gone. I have gone way off course. I am so sorry. I'm going to bring it on back. Okay. So, that each rises and sets regularly, everyone at its proper period, without transgressing the commands which they have received. They behold the earth and understand what is there transacted from the beginning to the end of it. They see that every work of God is invariable in the period of its appearance. They behold summer and winter, perceiving that the whole earth is full of water and that the cloud the dew and the rain refresh it chapter four they consider and behold every tree how it appears to wither and every leaf to fall off except of 14 trees which are not deciduous okay so that word is pronounced deciduous and it means um a tree or shrub shredding its shedding its leaves annually uh sorry when i don't see you know know a word i gotta look it up so let's go back every leaf to fall off except the 14 trees which are deciduous which wait from the old to the appearance of the new leaf for two or three winters again they consider the days of summer that the sun is upon it at its very beginning while you seek for a covered and shady spot on account of the burning sun While the earth is scorched up in fervid heat and you become incapable of walking either upon the ground or upon the rocks in consequence of that heat. They consider how the trees, when they put forth their green leaves, become covered and produce fruit. Understanding everything and knowing that he who lives forever does all these things for you. That the works at the beginning of every existing year, that all his works are subservient to him and invariable. Yet as God has appointed, so are all things brought to pass. They see too how the seas and the rivers together complete their respective operations. But you endure not patiently nor fulfill the commandments of the Lord, but you transgress and calumniate. His greatness. Okay, so I, I don't think I pronounced that right, but it means to utter maliciously false statements, charges, or imputations about. So basically, there's, he's saying that this is what this is what God has done for us on earth, and we turn around and we do this to God. This is basically what he's saying. And malignant are the words in your polluted mouth against His Majesty and. I am definitely a person that can say, I am guilty of this. Why, God? Why did you let this happen? Why, you know, if you've ever uttered that word, that that sentence, that, that question out of your mouth, you are guilty of this as well. 
Why would you allow this to happen to me? Why, God, why have you forsaken me? All these things, that's, that is uttering these things against God. Like, listen, the book of Enoch is so deep that it literally, you may have to stop and repent as you listen because it literally illuminates or illumines God's greatness. And if you ever forgot or didn't realize the the greatness of God, the book of Enoch is going to tell you this. And this is, it's one of the reasons why I believe that this book is real and should be in the Bible because it is filled with how much Enoch reveres God, what God shows Enoch and the greatness. Like it's, it's, it boggled my mind and, and my mind is super finite. Okay. You withered in heart, no peace shall be to you. Therefore your day shall you curse and the years of your lives shall perish. Perpetual execration shall be multiplied and you shall not obtain mercy. In those days shall you resign your peace with the eternal maledictions. I I feel like I am very, I have a good vocabulary, but <laughs> so these words. Okay. So, so please excuse me if I'm stumbling because some of these words, I, you know, yeah. Okay. So please, please forgive me. Okay. Let's go back. In those days shall you resign your peace with the eternal maledictions of all the righteous and sinners shall perpetually execrate you, shall execrate you with the ungodly. The elect shall possess light, joy, and peace, and they shall inherit the earth. But you, you unholy, shall be accursed. Then shall wisdom be given to the elect, all of whom shall live and not again transgress by impiety or pride, but shall humble themselves, possessing prudence, and shall not repeat transgression." They shall not be condemned the whole period of their lives, not die in torment and indignation, but the sum of their days shall be completed and they shall grow old in peace while the years of their happiness shall be multiplied with joy and with peace forever, the whole duration of their existence. Okay, chapter seven. Now, I think this is where we get in. Just so that you guys know, um, this 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 entire section is about the Watchers. And the Watchers, what I believe the Watchers are, are the angels that were sent down to um, kind of watch over man in the beginning, like before the flood. So, that's what I believe the Watchers were. And, and what I believe um, before the flood was that there was kind of an open kind of line communication between God and man. Like, I believe that the angels, you know, were back and forth, um, you know, visiting earth, talking to the creation, um, uh, us, you know, man. And I believe that, like, now I don't believe that that kind of open communication is here. But I believe that it was definitely here back then. Okay, so chapter seven. And in this book is not I I don't think all the um books of Enoch are the same like the the verse the king the versions of the Bible. So 
my chapter seven may not be your chapter seven. So just so that you are aware. Chapter seven, it happened after the sons of men had multiplied in those days that daughters were born to them, elegant and beautiful. And when the angels, the sons of heaven, beheld them, they became enamored of them, saying to each other, come, let us select for ourselves wives from the progeny of men and let us beget children. Then their leader, okay, before I read that part, it's a little caveat that says, in an Aramaic text, it reads, watchers here. So where it says the sons of heaven beheld them, um, the sons of heaven, of course, refer to the angels that were here. And in, in an Aramaic text, it says that they are watchers. So then their leader, Sam, Samyaza, or Samyaza, said to them, I fear that you may perhaps be indisposed to the performance of this enterprise and that I alone shall suffer for so grievous a crime. But they answered him and said, we all swear and bind ourselves by mutual execrations that we will not change our intention, but execute our projected undertaking. So Samyaza was the leader of this banded of angels that were here to, to be watchers on earth. And they were enamored with the women and wanted to bed them. And what well, they said, take wives, but it, literally they wanted to bed them. And Samyaza said, or Samyaza says, hey guys, I feel that if we do this, I'm the only one that's going to get in trouble. And him saying that lets me know that they knew that angels and humans should not be mixing. And that to do that was, I don't, I can't say it was a sin for them because I don't know if they are, they were under the same law as man. So whatever it meant to them, they knew it was wrong. So I don't know if it was sin to them as sin is to us because we are separate species and I don't think we are bound by the same rules. At least that's my opinion. But they knew that what that they should not be partaking in any kind of sexual um, relationship with humans. Which is why he said, I feel like I'm going to be the one in trouble. So we all need to agree that if we do this, we all are going to be in the same boat. Okay. Then they swore all together and all bound themselves by mutual execrations. Their whole number was 200 who descended upon Artis, which is the top of Mount Armon. So Artis is like a city. So 200 angels, guys, 200 angels set out to go embed some women. That's crazy. In my mind, I'm thinking, is it just the 200 women that they're after? Or is it multiple women that they're after? Let's keep reading. Upon Artis, or in the days of Jared, that mountain therefore was called Armon because they had sworn upon it and bound themselves by mutual execrations. Mount Armon, or Mount Hermon, derives its name from the Hebrew word harem, a curse. These are the names of their chiefs. And we're talking about the watchers here. Samyaza, who was their leader, Yura. Urakabaramil, I am going to butcher these names and I apologize. Akabil, 
Tamiel, Ramuel, Danel, Askiel, Sarah Kenyal, Azael, Armors, Batral, Anain, Zevyebe, Samsavil, Ertael, T- okay, I don't know if I can read 200 names, Turel, Yamiel, Arazael. These were the perfects of the 200 angels, and the remainder were all with them. The Aramaic texts preserve an earlier list of names of these watchers. And it goes into lists a bunch of names that sound almost the same, but are not. Then they took wives, each choosing for himself, whom they began to approach and with whom they cohabitated. No, and whom they cohabited, teaching them sorcery, incantations, and the dividing of roots and trees. Now, let me stop here. When I first read this, this, and and please do not email me or find me and cuss me out. This is just my thought. It reminded me of the ancestors, the African ancestors. And the reason why is because this would have been passed down through the African bloodlines, right? Because all life began in Africa. So because of that, all of the things that they practiced way back then is still things that you hear about Africans practicing now. And, you know, a lot of times I read online how, you know, some black people are offended by Christians because they, you know, Christians, you know, name sorcery and things like that as evil and demonic. And they're like, well, this is what the ancestors did. But now we see here that they, these things were taught to them by fallen angels. Well, I, I don't want to say fallen angels because at this point they are just watchers. Um, and they haven't technically fallen yet. And I, I, I reserve the fallen part to when they are just kind of cast out. So technically these are watchers. And they taught them sorcery, incantations, which if, if you want to be technical, what we term right now as spells and the dividing of roots and trees. I'm not really sure what that means or if that has any, you know, um, witch or kind of sorcery connotation. Kind of sounds like it, but I'm not really sure. And the women conceiving brought forth giants. The Greek texts vary considerably from the Ethiopic texts here. One Greek manuscript adds to this, this section... And they, the women born to them, the watchers, three races, first the great giants, the giants brought forth some, um, the Nephilim, and the Nephilim brought forth the Eliod, and they existed increasing in power according to their greatness. Now this points us in the account uh, in the book of Jubilees. So I might read that, we'll see whose stature was each 300 cubits. Now, let's see how tall that is. Wow. So, wow. Okay, so the Bible says that the... uh, I'm sorry, sorry. 
the Bible indicates that the original ark was 300 cubits, okay? So what they're saying is these giants were the same height as the ark. Are you guys following this? And in modern day terms, 300 cubits translates to 510 feet long. So we were ants to these giants. Ants! Okay. (sighs) Whose stature was each 300 cubits. That is crazy. When I'm thinking of giants, I'm thinking maybe 20 or 30 feet tall. This dude said 510 feet, y'all. Wow. These devoured all which the labor of men produced. Of course. How do you feed 510 feet of people? Until, until it became impossible to feed them. When they turned themselves against men in order to devour them. So they began to eat the men. And began to injure birds, beasts, reptiles, and fishes to eat their flesh one after another. And to drink their blood. Is this where we start with the vampire theory? Mm. Their flesh one after another or one another's flesh. R.H. Charles notes that this phrase may refer to the destruction of one class of giants by another. Then the earth reproved the unrighteousness. Okay, chapter 8. Moreover, Azazel... No, Azazel whichever one remember that name taught men to make swords knives shields breastplates the fabrication of mirrors and the workmanship of bracelets and ornaments the use of paint the beautifying of the eyebrows the use of the stones of every valuable and select kind and all sorts of dyes so that the world became altered so now me growing up in a church that is not into physical adornments as far as, you know, jewelry and, you know, makeup and things like that. I understand why now, because this stuff was taught to them by what is technically a fallen angel. So I I understand now, but back then it's just like, why can't you wear jewelry? Why can't, you know, put this eyeliner on? So, yeah. Impiety increased, fornication multiplied, and they transgressed and corrupted all their ways. Amazerak, no, Amazerak, um, okay, sorry guys, taught all the sorcerers and dividers of roots. Armors taught the solution of sorcery. So, Amazarach taught all the sorcerers and dividers of roots. He taught them these, you know, I guess incantations and things. And the other guys taught the solution. That's deep. Barkiel taught the observers of the stars. Observers of the stars and like astrology. Akabiel taught signs. Tamiel taught astronomy. And Azradel taught the motion of the moon, and men being destroyed cried out, and their voice reached to heaven. Now, I'm going to stop there for a second. Look at what's happening in the world, in the skies today. Look, look at what's happening. If we even just, just open up one of your social media apps, I recommend TikTok, and just see what's going on in the sky 
and with the the clouds and like at probably a few months ago there was like discoloration in the sky the one part of the sky was this color another part was this color the the clouds were taking shapes and you know orange clouds like things that we've never seen before and for me I didn't know really what to think of this like what is happening here and because this I I feel unprepared for things like that because the Bible doesn't go into this. So I was, to me, I was unprepared for what I was saying. But as I'm reading this, what I'm getting from this is that the, the, the watchers taught the men or the men and the women back then how to manipulate the sky, how it works. And I'm thinking to myself, And again, this is just all conjecture. This is nothing concrete. I have no receipts. Conjecture. And again, I try not to be a conspiracy theorist. I do. But if this knowledge was given at one point to men how to manipulate the skies, why wouldn't that knowledge be prevalent now to those that are in power? Because I, I, definitely believe, I definitely believe that those the powers that be know something that we don't know that's happening in the skies. And whether that be, you know, they see what's about to happen with the Lord and, you know, they're trying to cover it up so we don't see in the sky. I don't know. But... I do believe that there is a way to manipulate the sky and try to point us towards UFOs, which I don't believe. And I'm going to tell you why. If we have never been able to breach the firmament, I don't believe that some unidentified flying object from millions of light years away can breach the firmament. That is just my belief. So I don't believe that they are shooting down UFOs. I I personally don't believe that. That's just my opinion. Um, And the fact that they're even (laughs) coming out saying that is ludicrous. And it's more evidence to me that they're not telling the truth. Because if that were UFOs, they would not tell us. And let's just be clear. They didn't. they, They it is a distraction from something else. It is something else going on in the skies that they are manipulating to say UFOs. That is what I believe. Okay. Uh, Conspiracy time over. Chapter 9. Then Michael and Gabriel, Raphael, Suriel, and Uriel looked down from heaven and said, and saw the quantity of blood which was shed on earth and all the iniquity which was done upon it and said one to another, it is the voice of their cries. The earth deprived of her children has cried even to the gate of heaven. And now to you, O you holy one of heaven, the souls of men complain, saying, Obtain justice for us with the Most High. Now this is them going to beseech God on behalf of man. Because remember, at this point, there is no intercessor. And um, the intercessors were the angels. So um, we have watchers on heaven 
and excuse me watchers on earth and then you know the big angels like the top angels in heaven looking down like what is happening the watchers have run amok and they're crying out to you god so this is what's happening here then they said to their lord the king you are lord of lords god of gods king of kings the throne of your glory is forever and ever and forever and ever is your name sanctified and glorified you are blessed and glorified obtain justice for us you have made all things you possess power over all things and all things are open and manifest before you you behold all things and nothing can be concealed from you you have seen what Azazel has done, how he has taught every species of iniquity upon earth and has disclosed to the world all the secret things which are done in the heavens. Amiyaza also has taught sorcery to whom you have given authority over those who are associated with him. They have gone together to the daughters of men and have lain with them and have become polluted and have discovered crimes to them. Um, or reveal these sins, it says, and kind of like the um, footnote. The women likewise have brought forth giants. Thus has the whole earth been filled with blood and with iniquity. And now behold, the souls of those who are dead cry out and complain even to the gate of heaven. Their groaning ascends, nor can they escape from the unrighteousness which is committed on earth. You know all things before they exist. You know these things and what has been done by them. Yet you do not speak to us. What on account of these things ought we to do to them? Then the Most High, the Great and Holy One spoke and sent our... Mm, here's another name. Arsayalalur. No, that is wrong. Arsayalalur. That's probably wrong too. To the son of Lamech, Arsayalalur. Here, one Greek text reads, Uriel. Okay, so we're going to call him Uriel. So, for whatever reason, in in each different language that these texts are in, Aramaic, Greek, Hebrew, they have different names. So, Arsayalalur, and I know I pronounced that one wrong, is we're going to read it as Uriel. Saying, say to him in my name, conceal yourself. Then explain to him the consummation which is about to take place for all the earth shall perish. The, and here is where he talks about the flood. The waters of a deluge shall come over the whole earth and all things which are in it shall be destroyed. And now teach him how he may escape and how his seed may remain in all the earth. Again, the Lord said to Raphael, bind as a as a zeal, hand and foot, cast him into darkness, and open the desert which is in Dudale, cast him in there. Okay, so let's see where Dudale is. Okay, so according to again, this is according to Google, guys. We don't know if this is correct, but according to Google, Dudale is located in Jerusalem. And it says, Dudael is also implied to be the prison of the fallen angels, especially the evil watchers, the entrance of which is located to the east of Jerusalem. Okay, so the entrance is in the east of Jerusalem. 
The way this place is described, Dudiel is sometimes considered as a region of the underworld compared to Tartarus or Gehenna. Okay, so we're gonna we're getting ahead of ourselves. So I've also read that Dudiel was also in Egypt. So it's not it's not um, something that I wouldn't believe, especially if the entrance is is in Jerusalem, Egypt being in Africa. So. And um, I want to say a map that I saw from a while ago, Jerusalem used to be in Africa. So anyway, you know, they redrew the map. So that's all I'm going to say about that. Okay, so of course they don't want to make it seem as if the children of Israel were African. Come on, guys, let's go, please, come on. Okay, throw upon him hurled and pointed stones covering him with darkness there shall he remain forever cover his face that he may not see the light and in the great day of judgment let him be cast into the fire restore the earth which the angels have corrupted and announce life to it that i may revive it all the sons of men shall not perish in consequence of every secret by which the watchers have destroyed and which they have taught their offspring all the earth has been corrupted by the effects of the teaching of azazel to him, therefore, ascribe the whole crime. In one version I read, it says, to him ascribe all sin. So, and I'm thinking, when it says the whole crime, and the other text that said all sin, it meant up to that point of what he did before the flood. Um, some people have interpreted it as all sin over all time. I don't interpret it that way. Because by this point, with us here, He's somewhere bound. So he, he, we can't ascribe the sin now to him. So the sin up before the flood, I believe, up, up before he was chained and thrown into that kind of waiting, you know, um, hell, underworld hell for angels is what I'm talking about that time. So to Gabriel also the Lord said, go to the biters to the reprobates, to the children of fornication, and destroy the children of fornication, the offspring of the watchers from among men. So destroy the giants. Bring them forth and excite them one against another. Let them perish by mutual slaughter, for a length of days shall not be there. So basically, wipe the giants off the earth. They do not have length of days, and put them against each other so that they can just kill each other. Biters, more accurately, um, are bastards. And the fact that they are called bastards is what leads me to believe that they did not actually wife these women as in before God. Because how could you when you're trying to hide your sin from God? So it was literally um, them going and just having sex with these women, not actually marrying them. Even though they said, take the wives. Um, I, of course, back then they, even now people get married under God. So if you're hiding your sin from God, you're not going to get married under God, right? So you're just going to take this woman and say, this is my wife. And that's what, that's literally what they did, which is why the giants are called bastards. They shall all entreat you, but their father shall not obtain their wishes respecting them for they shall hope for eternal life and that they may live each of them 500 years. So he's basically saying that the giants are going to come and say um, on their father's behalf and say, hey, please, you know, 
forgive them, you know, for their sin and so that they can have eternal life. But he's only giving them 500 years. And remember back then, those people lived hundreds of years. Um, Enoch alone lived over 500 years. Methuselah, which is the oldest man to date, I think, on record, was almost a thousand years when he died. So they lived a long, long time back then. To Michael, likewise, the Lord said, Go and announce his crime to Samyaza and to the others who are with him, who have been associated with women, that they might be polluted with all their impurity. And when all their sons shall be slain, when they, when they shall see the perdition of their beloved, bind them for 70 generations underneath the earth, and even to the day of judgment and of consummation unto the judgment, the effect of which will last forever be completed. So when it says that, um, go and announce his crying to Semyaza and to the others who are with him, who have been associated with women, that they might be polluted with all their impurity. Um, you know, I, I've seen some people who've read that part and like, you know, they kind of took offense that, um, the, the angels were polluted by dealing with women. I, and let's, let's be clear on that part. Angels were supposed to be, I, I, to me, in my opinion, asexual or not, or at least not taking part of sex with women. So having sex with women defiled them. And did it defile the women? We were all, the Bible says men was born into sin and shaped in iniquity. So women were already sinful just by the nature of their birth. So the fact that the angels came and lied with them like that and committed this atrocity, it was against their selves. It was against themselves. And that is why they polluted themselves with sin. And that, at least that's my opinion. Then shall they be taken away into the lowest depths of the fire in torment and in confinement, and they shall be shut up forever. Immediately after this shall be, shall he together with them burn and perish. They shall be bound unto the consummation of many generations. And the he and them is, Samyaza is the he and them are the followers or the the ones that, you know, had the agreement in the beginning of the story. Destroy all the souls addicted to dalliance and the offspring of the watchers, for they have tyrannized over mankind. So the dalliance here um, is probably, when it says addicted to dalliance, I'm going to say it's probably lust that he's talking about. Let every oppressor perish from the face of the earth. Let every evil work be destroyed. The plant of righteousness and of restitute appear and its produce become a blessing and its produce become a blessing. Righteousness and rectitude shall be forever planted with delight. And then shall all the saints give thanks and live until they have begotten a thousand children while the whole period of their youth and their Sabbath shall be completed in peace. In those days, all the earth shall be cultivated in righteousness. It shall be wholly planted with trees and filled with benediction. Every tree of delight shall be planted in it. In it shall vines be planted, and the vine which shall be planted in it shall yield fruit to satiety. 
Every seed which shall be sown in it shall produce for one measure a thousand, and one measure of olives shall produce ten presses of oil. Purify the earth from all oppression, from all injustice, from all crime, from all impiety, and from all pollution which is committed upon it. Exterminate them from the earth. Then shall all the children of men be righteous, and all nations shall pay me divine honors and bless me, and and all shall adore me. The earth shall be cleansed from all corruption, from every crime, for every punishment, and from all suffering. Neither will I again send a deluge upon it from generation to generation forever." In those days I will open the treasures of blessings which are in heaven that I may cause them to descend upon earth and upon all the works and labor of men. Peace and equity shall associate with the sons of men all the days of the world and every generation of it. Okay, so I'm wondering if I should continue or stop right here because as of, up to this point we haven't heard from Enoch or seen Enoch in the story, right? In chapter 12, this is when we encounter Enoch. So maybe I'll just read this chapter and then we'll stop. How about that? Okay. Chapter 12. Before all these things, Enoch was concealed, nor did any one of the sons of men know where he was concealed, where he had been, and what had happened. He was wholly engaged with the holy ones and with the watchers in his days. Enoch was blessing the great Lord and King of peace. And behold, the watchers called me Enoch the scribe. This is him talking, I guess. Then the Lord said to me, Enoch, scribe of righteousness, go tell the watchers of heaven who have deserted the lofty sky in their holy everlasting station, who have been polluted with women and have done as the sons of men do by taking to themselves wives and who have been greatly corrupted on the earth, that on the earth they shall never obtain peace and remission of sin, where they shall not... Okay, so maybe they are um, bound by sin too. I didn't realize that. For they shall not rejoice in their offspring. They shall behold the slaughter of their beloved, shall lament for the destruction of their sons, and shall petition forever, but shall not obtain mercy and peace. So that was a mini chapter 12. I think I'm going to go keep going to chapter 13. But I do want to say this. It, when I was growing up, I, I want to say this is in a Bible. That every when everybody was looking for Enoch on earth. And they were like, that God took him. And, you know, we, we learned growing up that God, that Enoch walked with God. And that he just kind of walked to heaven one day. So this is kind of Enoch's story of what happened while he was in heaven. And he was there a minute, like for a long time. Like he has the greatest story, like the greatest visions that is it's really deep. So I encourage you guys. I know the first part was kind of a little, you know, backstory and kind of like, eh. But if you guys can get past this part and continue to listen to Enoch's story of his kind of meeting with the holy ones, the angels, and with God, 
it's it's like he had conversations with God. He had conversations with Jesus. He had conversations with the holy angels. He had conversations with the watchers. Like he had he he had it all. He had it all and was allowed to write about it. So, this is why I urge you guys to continue to listen continue to listen so chapter 13 is gonna be the last chapter actually I think I should end it here just because chapter 13 is gonna take us you know further and you you know I would then want to keep reading so this is already 55 minutes so tune back in I think I'm gonna do this on Tuesdays and Thursdays now because I haven't decided I am still on my mindset journey but I it's it's been such a battle that I I'm not ready to record about it right now you know so I will get back to the mindset recordings later um so I apologize for that but I was trying to record as I go through the journey but it's been a battle for me and right now I'm trying to refocus by you know, I'm writing a devotional, I'm reading this, and I'm doing my gratitude. So I am trying to refocus everything and get my mindset together. So while I do that, please give me grace, and I'll be back to the mindset journey um, post in a few months. You know, maybe after I finish the Book of Enoch. So for now, Tuesdays and Thursdays are going to be just me recording Uh, reading the book of Enoch and we may read the book of Yasher next or the book of Jubilee like I want to read all of these books that were supposedly you know taken from the Bible I do know that the book of Enoch was initially collated with the rest of the books of the Bible so I want to read the other books to see how they you know kind of ferret out with the Bible as well this connects very well to the Bible So let's just see how the other ones um, fall into place as well. So thank you guys so much for listening. Um, If you have not, go follow me on TikTok. I do post some good stuff there. And it is The Gratitude Chick. Um, Follow me on Instagram again, The Gratitude Chick. On Facebook, you you guys know my The Gratitude Chick page was stolen from me. Right now it is sitting unused because it has been snatched back from the thief. But... Facebook has not given it back to me. So follow my backup page, The Gratitude Chick 2, the number 2, um, on Facebook. Uh, so thank you guys again for listening. Don't forget to, to listen. Practice gratitude every day. But one of the things that I heard today was that God appreciates and loves when we are grateful he he is he loves it so all day as much as possible be thankful and you know one thing i used to tell you guys is complaint is poverty gratitude is riches and while that is definitely true i'm gonna scrap that complaint is disrespect to god gratitude is love and appreciation to god and that is my is what I will say going forward. So do not complain in all things. First Thessalonians 5.18. This is the paraphrase of that. In all things, be grateful. 
You guys have a blessed day. Thank you for listening to another episode of Talks with the Gratitude Chick. I am your host, Luanza Christina, aka The Gratitude Chick. Don't forget to subscribe to my podcast and give it five stars. If you have not already, get your copy of my book, 21 Days of Thankfulness, available now on Amazon. <music>